0: Hey parents, it's Robin McMahon here. Before you dive into this episode, I wanna say thank you. Thank you for listening to my show, Parenting Our Future. And did you know that you can watch this show as well on YouTube? If you wanna watch this episode instead of listening to it, you can head over to my YouTube channel, Parenting for Connection, where you will find all of my podcast episodes as well as a library of my videos that have tips and parenting strategies on how to parent even the most difficult kiddos you will learn how to get better behavior, better listening, so that you can feel more calm and confident in your parenting, no matter what you're facing. So I hope to see you over on YouTube. Now back to the show. Okay, everybody, we're talking about something that we all know about. And I think that we don't know as much as we could know about it. And that's bedwetting. Bedwetting in our kids, we think Think Okay, if they're a toddler, it's probably going to happen and we do lots of things to guard against it. But what if bedwetting lasts longer than just in the toddler years? What could be going on in those cases? So I'm really excited to invite to my show today, Dr. Danielle Sweeney, who is a board certified pediatric urologist from Austin, Texas. She is also a member of the faculty of Texas Children's Hospital, and she she is here to talk to us about all things bedwetting and what we can do to kind of cope with it, deal with it, and understand it better. Uh, and I wanna I wanna ask her some of the questions that I think that I know about bedwetting that maybe are right and maybe aren't right. And she's also a mom of two; she's got a teenager and a twelve year old, mm-hmm. so she is in it. She is in it mm-hmm. like us. So I just want to welcome you. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Sweeney.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah. So, okay, let's just talk about bedwetting in general, right? So mm-hmm. this is obviously there's a normal transition from diapers to sleeping in your underwear and your jammies, but what is the bedwetting piece? Is there a way to sort of sum up what happens when uh, when there's
1: bedwetting? Sure. Well, you know, there's no that age limit about when bedwetting is considered to be abnormal. Um, You know, most kids, about 85% will start to outgrow it around ages five to seven, Um, but it's not cookie cutter. You know, it's not every kid is on that timeline. So I think that's one of the important things to really um, understand about bedwetting is that every kid is going to have their own journey um, and sort of going to go through that developmental process when they become dry at night. So, you know, about 85% of kids are dry at night by age five to seven, but up to 2% of kids are still having bedwetting accidents after the age of 15. Um, Now that is still sort of in the medical realm considered to be normal, but that certainly is life spoiling for some of those older kids and families who have to, you know, go through that. Mm -hmm. So
0: why is that? You know, because I'm thinking, you know, when I was a kid, I used to babysit this one family. And there was, you know, one one of the, the kids, a little boy, it was all the time. And I think there was a real sense of like, Ugh, you know, he's irresponsible. He drinks too much water. It's mm-hmm. his fault. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, mm-hmm. he, you need to make better choices. You need to get up in the middle of the night. So where mm-hmm. does that, you know, like, what is it? Is it behavioral? Is it just like, I just have zero control over it. You know, mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. what is going on?
1: Yeah. Well, we do know it's a developmental process. And just like not all kids will walk at the same time, not all kids will start talking at the same age or reading at the same age. Bedwetting is a little bit about like that. And it's, sometimes we do know that there's a developmental piece to it. And I think one of the most important things that's really important for families to know and for kids to know it is it's not a conscious thing. Um, it's not the child's fault. It's not the parents fault. There wasn't some, you know, lack of training of the child or, you know, um, or the child being lazy. It's just a developmental process. Um, We know that that wedding does run in families. you know, so if you have a family member that, that had bedwetting accidents, there's a good chance that it could run in your family with your children. Um, and around the age when that family member outgrew it is a good indicator when your child might outgrow it if it does run in, in certain families. But I think it's really important to know it's really not the child's fault. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to think of it a little bit like snoring. You know, um, why do people snore? Um, you know, there could be lots of reasons for it, but it's not often a conscious decision. Um, And bedwetting is a lot like that. And I think that's sort of important to realize. Um, We, you know, there's different theories about the um, development of the bladder and maturity of the bladder. um, And, you know, we we don't have a clear cut cause, but we do know a lot of um, just developmental um, readiness in children is a big indicator with bedwetting mm
0: yeah and and I think that's probably the the piece of information that i that I thought I knew about maybe didn't don't know is 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 there sort of a physio- f- physical and you know development that hasn't caught up to you know a, a child's cognitive ability right and so you're what I hear you saying is maybe maybe not we don't really know, but it's developmental and this can also run in families, and <laughs> so all that you need to know is it's not the child's fault and it's not my fault as a parent, which I think is a really important thing to stress because of course we're going to go to blame, right? That's just what we do Mm -hmm. instead of just accepting it and then trying to come up with some strategies to cope with it.
1: Absolutely. And that's why I call it a life spoiling type of um, yeah. you know, issue yeah. um, because it really it affects the whole family. You know, um, it can affect the self-esteem of a child. I think as parents, you know, when our children are upset or suffering or you know, or your child can't do a sleepover like the rest of his friends, like that, that breaks your heart. And so I think as parents, we, we sometimes, you know, we weigh that burden on our shoulders and, um, um, it can be tough for the whole family.
0: Yeah. Well, that's that's a that's thank you for stressing that again. A life spoiling issue. Uh, I just wrote that down and like underlined mm-hmm. it because that really is true and uh and it's not just for the kid, it's for for mom and dad too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And and then we go into we get desperate and we go into things like punishment like well then you're going to clean your own bed or now you're going to uh have to, you know, you know, smell like pee or I mean we can do some pretty right. nasty things which just makes it even worse.
1: It does. It does. And we do know that in periods of stress, um, bedwetting can be worse. And so I, that's one thing I always emphasize to a lot of my families is that, um, never blame the child, never punish the child. It's Mm -hmm. much, you're going to have much better outcomes. If you start framing the positive things, um, Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, the negatives. So for example, you know, I always say, you know, if you have a dry night, you know, celebrate that, like, that's Mm -hmm. amazing. If you have a wet night, I say, ignore it, you know, I mean, you're going to have setbacks sometimes. And I think, you know, the more you focus on the negative, I think that's sort of the mindset and that really can affect outcomes. Um, You know, there, there was a study that was, um, that was published that talked a little bit about um, education around families and the understanding of that. um, It's not your fault. It's not the child's fault and really being empathetic. Mm -hmm. And those children actually had better long-term outcomes of outgrowing the bedwetting um than those who focused more on the negative. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really important to, to, you know, really tell these kids it's not your fault. You Mm -hmm. know, this is just something your body is is going through. And, you know, we're going to go through it together and we're going to have some highs and we're going to have some lows. um, And, you know, we might take two steps forward, one step back, but we're going to make it through Mm -hmm. this and we're going to, you know, we're going to help you with this. And I think as long as the kids understand that, your, you know, your outcomes are much, much better.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I I love the empathy piece, and um, I I love that you liken it to snoring as well. I think that's yeah. a, a really great comparison to make because, of course, that's not your fault. That's just what's ha- what's happening when you're just, asleep, just right? Exactly. Yeah. Why can't we just? Yeah. Why Why can't we just you know make things easier on ourselves and just accept Absolutely. it? You know, like we just we can just be so tough. So, um, okay. So what? what is you, you mentioned, you know, there's going to be, um, you know, some dry nights, some wet nights. What, what happens when, and, and is there, is there a time where sometimes it can just sort of happen out of the blue or you're, you're doing well for a while. And then there's a regression. What mm-hmm. What's happening there? Is that, is that related to stress or is it a, you know, physical change? What, what's happening when when that happens? It,
1: it can be. And I think there's, there's a, probably a variety of reasons. So, you know, if I have a family that comes in and says, you know, we were doing great, we were doing great for two or three months, dry and now we've hit this period of time where we're having a lot more wedding accidents they there's there's they've happened again i i think there's a lot of sort of things we have to look at you know one is what's going on with the family you know if you say mm-hmm. oh we just moved we just moved to our house and you know there's a new baby in the house and um you know i just started working again and there's been this shift in in the household sometimes that can cause it um, one thing that a lot of families don't think of, which is actually very common and can affect bedwetting, is constipation. So I like to ask a lot of questions surrounding, well, you know, how are you pooping? What, what what are your bowel habits? What do your stool look like? And I think a lot of families are a little taken aback by that because they said, well, what, is, what does that have to do with bedwetting? But we know that children that are constipated um, and that have bedwetting, um, constipation can really affect that. So. Mm you know, we don't all stay regular all the time. Um, you know, it could be that, you know, let's say the grandparents came in town last week and we had all these special dinners and we were eating all these great foods. Now we're a little constipated that can cause an uptick in, in bed mm. Um, sometimes just a change in habits. Like I had a, um, an athlete, um, who, you know, practice shifted later in the evening, drinking a ton of water, Um, And they were getting most of their hydration in the evening hours prior to bedtime. Um, And we, you know, we kind of shifted some things around and we realized that was sort of the cause the you know, the uptick in these things. So it's really kind of trying to find out what is going on at home. What is going on with the child? You know, have there been any new major changes and sort of addressing it that way? So this might be a dumb question, but how exactly does stress equal bedwetting? You know, that's a great question. And I don't know if we have the exact answer for that, but we know that, you know, just stress can affect sleep cycles, you know, just mm. as, you know, when, when any of us get stressed out, oftentimes we say, you know, I'm just not sleeping well. Um, I, you know, uh, yeah, just like my sleep pattern has changed. Um, sometimes some of those changes in sleep patterns can affect how bedwetting can be. Um, and, you know, it's a lot of what goes on in the self-conscious when we sleep. It's like I said, it's not a conscious thing that we're aware of, but stress can affect the body in hmm. many different ways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about
0: that. Yeah. Uh, and it's you know? interesting why some people, it would come manifest itself as bedwetting versus something different, right? Maybe yeah, child has absolutely. OCD or anxiety or something yeah. like that. Right. So
1: totally. Yeah.
0: Okay. That's really, that's really interesting. So, um, what do you, what do you say when a family comes in and says, okay, we've got a child who is bedwetting and mm-hmm. they are not a toddler anymore. They're older. Mm-hmm. They're in that 2%. The first thing you do is look on, look at what's going on with the family, right? Where mm-hmm. are their stressors? What's going on, you know, with the child themselves too, yes. uh, what's going on, you know, in terms of constipation and, and, or schedule those
1: kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And then what, then what mm-hmm. do you do? Well, certainly we want to make sure we're not missing any medical causes. And so, you know, if we go through a full assessment and we find that, you know, there are no daytime wedding accidents or no other Mm. urologic complaints, or it's just really isolated to bedtime, you know, wedding at night. um, The first thing we do is we look at how can we change certain behaviors? So the first thing we do is really recommend what's called fluid shifting. Um, So fluid shifting was something I kind of alluded to a little bit. And it's, it's sort of, when do you take the most of your water or fluid Mm -hmm. intake? Um, We recommend doing 40% in the morning hours. So from the time you wake up till about lunchtime, the second 40% from about noon until about 4pm, and then 20% prior to bedtime, but cutting off around three to four hours before bedtime. You don't want to cut it off fluid intake too soon because then you get thirsty at night and then those yeah. children are going to be drinking at night and then yeah. not quite helping that. But if you could kind of fluid shift where you'd have 80% of your fluid intake for the day prior to about four or 5 p.m., um, that really does help. The other thing is kind of taking a look at avoiding um, uh, patterns. Um, you'd be surprised how many children do not use the toilet before they go to bed. And so I always say that should be, you know, before your head hits the pillow, the last thing you should do is go to the bathroom and make sure that your bladder is empty. And that is actually a really helpful strategy. Um, You know, we also recommend, you know, avoiding things like caffeinated uh, beverages, um, sodas, anything that can be sort of irritating to the bladder and also sort of a stimulant to the bladder. Um, we want to avoid those things as well. Um, so those are some really simple things. Now, does that work for everybody? No. And so after we sort of established that maybe behavioral, you know, if a, if a patient says, you know, we are falling this to the T, you know, we are getting all our fluid intake early in the day, we're emptying our bladder, we're not constipated, we're still having wetting accidents. I think in those children, then we start to talk about what our other options are. Sometimes that's medication, Sometimes that's um, um, conditioning, like a bedwetting alarm. And we kind of look and see what sort of fits best for the family and what their goals and objectives are. Um, And we really want to customize the best treatment option. Hmm.
0: So uh, one of the things that I know you say is that uh, when you talked about medical conditions, right, you... Mm -hmm. you you have this wonderful handout for everybody here Mm -hmm. um, and the parent toolbox. And it's, uh, it's really tips on on coping with bedwetting. And uh, you do say that you have to rule out things like, you know, bladder, kidney problems, UTIs, Mm -hmm. diabetes, sleep apnea, ADHD. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those can create uh, a situation where there's increased
1: bedwetting. Absolutely. And, and through a, a thorough assessment, you know, through questions and, you know, a simple urinalysis, which is us as urologists do as a routine um, yeah you know, with our visits, that's a routine thing for us to do. We can tease out many different medical issues that can cause that. Um, But that's extremely important. And I think, you know, your pediatrician, your family doctor, um, anyone, any health practitioner that you're going to go see with this problem um, should be asking some of these screening questions that would alert us to the fact that, hey, you know, this isn't garden variety bedwetting. This is actually something else going on. Mm -hmm. Um, The good news is it's pretty easy to tease that out.
0: Hmm. So, uh you did mention a, a bedwetting alarm. So, yes. I feel like, well, maybe I missed that uh when mm-hmm. I, when my kids were little. So, uh yes. what is that?
1: Tell me about that. So, the bedwetting alarm is actually it's a fantastic tool. However, it is not for every family. Okay. Um because it it requires um it, it sometimes can work over a 3-month period, so it's not a quick fix. Mm. Um, number 2, it is something, it's 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 a conditioning tool. So basically it conditions the body to listen to these internal cues to stop bedwetting. Now, just like its name says, it's an alarm. So it is loud, it goes off, it's gonna go off in the middle of the night. And if you have a family that lives in close quarters or a child that shares a bedroom with a sibling, everybody's getting woken up by this. So mm. sometimes that is not the best option for all families. Um, but it does work very, very well. So the bed wedding alarm essentially it is it alerts the child that a wedding accident has occurred. It doesn't go off before the wedding, but it, it 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 sets it off and says a wedding accident has occurred. So it does wake them up. And we know that with these conditioning feedback loops with the body, over time the body begins to sense internally and subconsciously some of the cues the body's sending before that alarm goes off. Mm. Um, and so over time the body sort of learns this response to not wet the bed at night. Um, like I said, it's gradual. It does take you know three months of using it consistently. Um, and like I said, when it works, it works really well, but I've had a lot of families that have come to me and said, this is a really tough thing to do. You know, I feel like I have a baby again. I'm waking up three, four times a night with this mm. alarm going off. We're, we're sleep deprived. We're, we're like walking zombies. Yep. And I say, this is probably not the best treatment option for your family, but for some who are really motivated and, you know, maybe aren't wetting the bed multiple times a night, it's a great tool. What about, uh, well, uh... Okay, I,
0: I was about to ask the question. Then I realized we are talking about kids that are a little bit older. Um, yes. What about So so I'm going to ask it in a slightly different way. But like, what about, uh, you know, your kids are usually going to bed before you? Uh, you yes. know, what if as you go to bed yourself, you just sort of wake them up mm-hmm. and kind of pr- bring them to the bathroom to have them go see? Yes. Does
1: that work? Yes. I think for some families it does. I think my only caveat is is I'm not necessarily a big fan of waking up a child in the middle of the night if they're sleeping. You know that right. old you know let a sleeping baby lie, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the only reason for that is is sometimes you could be waking up a child during you know a certain sleep cycle, and it can be hard for them to get back to sleep. Sometimes those mm-hmm. children, um, you know, their sleep cycle is interrupted, so mm-hmm. they don't feel rested when they wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have some families that swear by that. They say, this is what we do. We wake that child up before, you know, at midnight, before we're going to bed, and we have no more wedding accidents. If the child's not complaining about lack of sleep or feeling tired in the morning, and that's working for your family, then great. But I always tell families, you know, you could try that strategy. But if your child is grumpy in the morning, doesn't want to wake up when the alarm goes off, it could be because you're interrupting during a really mm. important part of that sleep cycle. So um, that may or may not be the best strategy. Yeah. Um, I do think for some families, if they want to try it, by all means, but I wouldn't prescribe that across the board to everybody.
0: Yeah. Okay. No, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. And so, so when you are reunited with your child in the morning, let's say, and you wake yes. up and you yes. find
1: out that, okay, they did wet their bed. Um, mm-hmm.
0: What? Wh- how do you handle
1: that? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think, you know, it's one of those things you don't want to punish the child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes I think depending on the age, you know, of the child, you know, you just have that discussion, like, okay, so it happened again, you know, we're going to try something new, you know, let's tomorrow night, let's, let's try this. Um, I think it's always good, particularly, I think for any child over the age of, you know, eight, nine, 10, it should kind of get a plan in place. Um, you know, I think one thing that makes children feel a little bit more control of the situation is that they, um, you know, they have like plan A, B and C, um, you know, they say, Hey, I had a wedding accident, not a big deal. This is how tomorrow night, this is how we're going to approach it. Um, and, you know, or, you know what, this strategy is not working great for us. It's important for the kids to know there's other things we can try that it's not this hopeless situation. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to to work with the child and be like, I don't want to say minimize it, but say, you know, it's not a big deal. You know, we're gonna we're gonna continue as a family to work through this. Um, you know, we're gonna try different things. Um, make them aware that, you know, it is a process. You know, we might have some back steps, but we're gonna get through this. And so I think as long as a child understands that, that it's not a hopeless situation. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a good plan for them.
0: Yeah. And I would say it's really important that you get everybody on board, right? Like you said, it's about the family and it and you, yes. you want to make sure your spouse is on board and not, mm-hmm. you know, shaming your child while you're saying, no, it's okay. Or, you exactly. know, we'll go through this, right? And and brothers yes. and sisters, right? Yes. Uh, oh gosh. I think about this poor little boy that we used to babysit. And um, yeah, I think, yeah. Oh yeah. It was tough, it's tough. tough for that kid.
1: Yeah. And I always talk about, you know, sleepovers, like have a plan in place for a sleepover, you know Um, you know, are you going to bring a a pull up for an older child? You know, how are you going to dispose of that? You know, are you going to bring a bag? You know, I mean, just, I, I think oftentimes if kids know what the plan is, um, they're, they're a little bit more comfortable with it and it puts them in control of the situation, which I think yeah. is empowering in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and ultimately I think in the long run that really kind of helps them, uh, work through this process.
0: Yeah. So, uh, what are, you know, we, we sort of started talking about, you know, what some of the myths are and that sort of thing. Sure. But what are some of the myths that you want to bust?
1: Well, what yeah. are um, number one, the child is lazy. That's why they're doing it. I think that is always probably one of the most heartbreaking things. Your, your child is not lazy, um, mm-hmm. not doing this on purpose to spite you. Um, it really, truly is a dev- developmental thing. It's like snoring. We, we can't help it. Um, and so I think that is probably the number one thing, because I think that's so demoralizing to that child to be told that you're lazy, you know, you didn't want to get up in the middle of the night. That's why this happened. And and the fact, of the matter is they can't control that. Um, and that just changes shifts the whole mindset um, of that child, it can have a lot of very debilitating, uh, long term repercussions to, to treat a child like that. So I think that's the biggest myth um, that I would like to sort of say, it's really they're not doing it intentionally. Hmm. Um, you know, I think other bedwetting, you know, um, like we talked about that it shouldn't be, you know, it never happens at age 14. And so there must be something seriously wrong with my child. I mean, I can say, yes, it's uncommon, but if you think about it out of every 100 kids, two children over the age of 15 are still going to be wetting the bed. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's likely that you probably know a teenager who still has that problem now, because of sort of the nature of bedwetting, it's not a topic that's discussed out in the open, you know, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of embarrassment around it. Um, so it's, it's sort of a lot of kids sort of, um, you know they they kind of have the shame and they kind of hide it and it's 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 quiet about it so it's probably a lot more common and happening a, a lot more families than than you realize hmm.
0: Yeah. And, and just, yeah, I just go back to what, what you said at the beginning. It's Mm -hmm. a life spoiling issue. I I completely agree with you. And I'm so happy that we're able to talk about it like this and uh, Mm -hmm. remove the stigma and judgment and shame from it and just have empathy and Mm -hmm. understand it. And I I do think that the more we know, the more we can say, okay, this isn't Something I need to beat myself up about. I need to, mm-hmm. you know, beat my child up about, you know, uh, like it's just, it's, it's like just knowing. And, you know, in the work that I do with parents, you know, when we talk about things like brain science and developmental stages, mm-hmm. it's like, this just is, this is just a fact. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't have to be charged emotionally as good or bad. It just right. is. And so we work yes. with it, right? Let's right. not mm-hmm. make it more. Let's not add a story to it. It just is. Yep it's something that we wish Mm -hmm. we didn't have to deal with and we do. So therefore let's just move forward in the most positive and helpful way and supportive way that we can.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I said, I think the children, I think kids get empowered when you really put like, you frame it in that way and you give them options and you, you set a plan forward and they know that, like I said, there's going to be, um, step forwards and step backs. And that's, That's okay. That's normal. That's just unfortunately part of the process of dealing with all this.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, you have a list of really great tips for everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, on coping with bedwetting and, Mm -hmm. you know, from toddlers to teenagers. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and so you've got some great tips here. And so if you would like to learn more, you can go to, um, www.parent-toolbox.com. Uh, and where
1: can people find you and find more of your work? Sure. So, um, it, with two other pediatric urologists and a pediatrician, um, we have a website called bamiohealth.com. Um, and this is a website that is dedicated to bedwetting. Um, and we also provide, uh, consultation services for families that are looking for solutions. So we work with the child on an individual basis. Um, we obviously, we go over the behavioral options. One thing that that we didn't really talk too much about, but medications are options as well. Um, and, um, we have some good options there. Um, and just kind of briefly to go into that. and, And we kind of assess to see if a child is a good candidate for medication, um, The medications that we have available, one in particular, it's called DDAVP. It's a medication that it doesn't cure bedwetting, but it can mask it. And so sometimes this is a great medication for older kids who are going to sleep away camp, who want to do the occasional sleepover. Mm. Um, And we work with them trying to find the right dose. And how do we, um, you know, when's the best time to administer this medication? And we work with families and sometimes that can be a great, Um, bridge until that child outgrows it sort of naturally on its own. Um, Mm -hmm. We also have some children that have what we call, um, you know, bladders that are um, a little bit smaller capacity or that tend to want to contract and empty. We have medications that can help relax the bladder. Not every child is a candidate for that, but sometimes we find just by discussing some other you know, symptoms that the child has, that that could be a medication and that sometimes works well with bedwetting. Um, but the bottom line is, is we have a lot of different options and they run from behavioral, which is non-medication, medications, conditioning. And I think it's important to find and work with the family to find what works best for you, your family, and most importantly, the child.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great. And, and that's news to me that there are medications for that. Yes.
1: Is mm-hmm. that relatively new? No, DDAVP has been around for a long time. I think the one thing that um, is is, um, with that particular medication is is sometimes it's finding the right dose. Sometimes it's finding um, the right pattern to giving it. And so it's something I do think you need to work with a pediatric urologist or a pediatrician to because it, it, sometimes it takes a little bit of while to find the right dose and find what works for that child. Um, and so it's something that I don't think is always offered because it is a little bit more time consuming to work through those issues with the child, but um, they are great medications that, um, you know, can really help when other things are not helping.
0: Hmm. Okay. Well, that's, that's fantastic. And, uh, and, and so I'm going to spell it out. It's V A M I O health. Dot com, Correct. That, that's where yes. we can find you and, uh, and learn more about this, this issue. So I Absolutely. think that's really wonderful. And thank you for adding those cu- couple of different um, bits of information in here yeah. at the end. I think that's really important to, to know that. And of course, that's why people want to go to your site is to find yes. all of that out. And, uh, and I'm assuming you don't have to be
1: in Texas to, to, uh, to be a patient or do you like uh, Uh, Texas, Texas and Arkansas currently. Um, but if people have general questions about, um, you know, bedwetting, um, we can work with people outside of the state of Texas as well.
0: Okay. Okay. That's wonderful. Well, I just want to say thank you so much, Dr. Sweeney. Uh, is there anything else you want to let us know that we should know, um, about, about this issue?
1: um really like I said I'm going to kind of circle back to where I was before is is just is just it's not the child's fault you know Mm -hmm. and um and these kids would love nothing better than to be dry at night and so Mm -hmm. I think we just like I said we just have to work with these kids where they are and um, you know get them on the path forward and we'll get there
0: I love that. Thank you so much. And thank you for bringing a real heart to this and the empathy, um, because I know there's kids struggling with this and parents really struggling.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, And it doesn't have to be that way.
1: So yes, thank you. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you'd share it with someone who you think needs to hear this message too. And please don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I would be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. And if you like my content and want more, please visit my site, parentingcoreconnection.com where you can find out more about my coaching, my courses, and all things parenting. Until next
1: time, I am wishing you and your family peace, connection, and joy.